Welcome to Michael Kipka's MLFB Weekly Podcast with your host, Michael Kipka, Episode 1. We are about to embark on a journey. This journey is going to be absolutely amazing, guys. We're going to get a season underway. The first time MLFB Major League Football has been trying to get a season going. Seems like forever now, since maybe 2014, but they finally got the pieces together. You know, we had a lot of hiccups over the years. We had COVID, uh, which lasted a couple years as far as, you know, difficulty with getting guys out there on the field, all kinds of stuff. You know, the the first time MLFB had some issues was back in 2016, you know, the financer just bailed at the last moment. They never really had an agreement signed like they do now. Um, MLFB has a $10 million funding agreement for the season. Uh, you know, we're going to have four games, it looks like, and uh, it's not going to, it's going to be pretty good, all right? It's not going to be the best thing, you know, we could have a full season, but the demo season is very important, very important for bringing in future broadcasting deals, future investments to show that MLFB can put a sustainable, successful product on the field. It's the most important thing to show that fans will get excited. Fans will be happy to see the talent that MLFB brings. MLFB is bringing some key talent to their league. Some guys that we're maybe thinking of, maybe I'll try out for the XFL Showcase Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll try to go to CFL. No, they're coming to MLFB because MLFB, they're handing out contracts to guys that they know can play. I've talked with some uh, some of the players that are maybe playing for MLFB, and they're very happy with the compensation package that MLFB is providing. They're paying for lodging. They're paying for food, travel, you know, the whole shebang. They're also giving players $2,000 per game. And then if you win, you get a nice little sweet bonus. You know, you get a $500 little sweet bonus on top. And there also is uh, some additional playoff compensation as well. You know, if you make it to the playoffs, you might get a little extra on top of that. And, you know, from what I've gathered and from what I've read, it seems like maybe they're putting players up in hotels. I thought of a few possibilities, you know, if they're going to, you know, get housing as far as apartments or um, or extended stay or hotels. And it seems like the extended stay or hotel route might be where they're going with this um, based on having uh, a clause in their contract that has two players per room. So it sounds kind of like a hotel arrangement, you know, where you have like the two double beds sort of thing going on, which honestly... Players room together in training camp. Players room together in college. Players are used to rooming together. It's not a big deal to have two guys for each room. Helps save money for the league, which is good for the league and shareholders. You know, they don't want to burn through too much of their $10 million deal investment. So anyway, they can save money while not handicapping the league or handicapping the players. Because um, they, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to really uh, have a lack you know, have a lack of, of stuff for the players as far as resources and things they need to be successful. They want to have players have everything they need to be successful in the league. That's very important for, for by Frank Murtha for the league is to create 
an environment of success for these players. They want to groom them and mold them into players that can transition into the NFL at some point in the future. It may be that four games plus a championship game will be enough for a team to take a chance, you know, because NFL teams, they make cuts during the preseason, and sometimes they just don't have the kind of player they're looking for to fill depth at their position or even the practice squad. So they may look at tape from, you know, guys in the MLFB because the MLFB is getting guys. They're getting Division One guys, but they're also getting Division Two. They're getting JUCO guys. They're getting historically black university guys. They're getting all different kinds of guys, guys that were in the fan control football, guys that were in the XFL in 2020, guys that were on practice squads in the NFL, guys that were ex-NFL players. They're getting all kinds of these players in the league. All kinds. So NFL scouts will look at that and they'll say, well, this is a nice varied level of competition, probably similar to what you would maybe find on a Division I team or better in, in football. Because think about it, you're getting the best guys out of junior college, the very best out of the HBCUs, you know, guys that are maybe potentially better than where they're playing, guys that are outplaying their level, they're beating out the competition handily in those areas. So maybe they could make it on a D1 team. So this is level of of maybe high college level play that they'll be getting. Now, the first year, we're going to have a three- or two-week camp, it looks like. Um, So we'll see how the players gel in the first few games. It may take a game or so for them to gel, but I think there's very potential in here. There's a lot of potential. There's some good coaches for the MLFB. There's some really good guys that are coach up these players. Even the assistant coaches. There was an uh, assistant coach just revealed for the Alabama Airborne. He used to coach in the, the CFL. Forgive me if I can't pronounce his name correctly. I believe it's uh, Jeff Reinebold or Reinebold, but he used to coach in NFL Europe. He used to coach in the CFL uh, recently, and yeah, he, he decided to come to Jerry Glanville's staff for the Alabama Airborne. That's right. They're going to be in Alabama, probably in either uh, Mobile or Birmingham or Montgomery. Seem to be the cities where they're they're going to be announcing soon. Um, I imagine very shortly here they'll be they'll be giving us the details on the stadium they're playing in Alabama, which is only the last remaining place that they haven't announced exactly where they're playing yet. Not a big deal. Um, they pretty much have everything in the works from what I hear. They're just finishing up kind of the uh, the lease. This is just the rumor that I've heard that they're finalizing the deal, which you know could take some time with procedural mechanisms and everything. Um, But, yeah, they got a lot of good guys here that have had a lot of experience. There's a lot of experience in these coaches coaching for a long, long time. Um, Sometimes, you know, NFL wants to bring in these younger guys here. But as far as developing players, you want somebody with experience that can really show that that players what they need to do to get to the next level. Because they know know all levels of football. We have have, uh, coaches... That have coached from high school all the way up to the NFL. So these guys know what it takes to develop players of all different kinds. We have all different kinds of arena coaches, Canada coaches, you know, Division One, Division Two, NFL. Pretty much if you name a league, we have a coach that's coached in it 
for the MLFB. So that's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing what the MLFB has done here in assembling their coaching staffs for the four teams. I'm excited to see the full player rosters and who they've who they've been able to get here um, for their leagues. I, I've got some guys here. I've actually been talking with some guys. I have a gentleman who I've been working with, and he um, has assembled a nice little prospect list he's getting over to the MLFB guys. Me and him have worked together. He's done most of the work, to be honest, with getting guys, messaging him, and getting their info. But I've got a couple guys myself that I've been talking to, players that are maybe interested in joining an all-football league that have some good experience that I like. Um, there's a Division One tight end. You know, who was pretty successful in his career recently in college. And I think he could be a key get. You know, I don't want to say his name because nothing's released yet. But I looked at his college stats and his tape. And they didn't really use him a whole lot in college. But the tape that he has is pretty outstanding. I mean, he set some, he set some records in college. And he's a, he's a good, good player. Great receiver. Great blocker. You know, a guy that I'm excited um, for MLFB to potentially sign. Also, there is a punter um, that I'm excited. Yeah, you. who would think? Be exciting for a punter, right? Like, who would be excited to sign a punter? But this guy, he's one of those ex-rugby guys, you know, like the Seahawks punter. And he's one of those guys where, you know, he has brings a little international presence. You know, it's very important to bring in that international crowd. So from a business perspective, it's wise to have a guy that brings in fans and interest from places other than the home team. You know, guys that bring in interest from abroad. I think this guy was was popular. He told me um, in Ireland, he's pretty big there. So just to be able to bring in a whole nother country to support your league, I mean, that's very important for those long-term sustainable success and advertising and marketing and views and all that kind of thing. It's a, it's a key thing to have when you're trying to run a business and a successful product. Speaking of a successful product, man, oh man, have the rumors been, been uh, or the questions or the speculation have come, where will MLFB be broadcasted? There's still plenty of stations and streaming partners that I'm sure would love to have some extra football content on their program. For instance, you have the big boys. All right, we'll start with the big guns first, all right? I'm talking about Amazon Prime. They've been trying to get football deals nonstop. They got the NFL Thursday deal, but they really only have one day a week, you know, for the whole season. They could probably use some more NFL content. That's also a, a partner for another aspect of MLFP, which we'll talk with later. We have uh, CBS. They're the last big boy and over-the-air broadcast that hasn't got a spring league yet. So you have ESPN Disney kind of getting XFL. You know, you have uh, Fox and NBC sort of getting the uh, the USFL there as their owners of it at Fox. Um, so you got CBS kind of left in a position of, do we want to compete with this? Do we want to put our hat in the ring and see if we can get some viewership out of this big slice of pie as well here? Because there's a good market for spring football. Um, which is now summer this year for MLFB, but next year we'll be in the spring. But there's a really good market here for fans that are hungry for football in the spring. A lot of fans, you know, they don't like the offseason in football because they don't they don't like other sports as much or they just want to watch football. 
So a lot of times, you know, I see on the NFL Network, you get these games that are rebroadcasted that were popular games. But really, in sports, unless you have like a presentation like the NFL Classic Films or something like that where it's, it's filmed in a new format, people really want the live aspect of sports uh, as far as viewing a sport live. And that gives the opportunity for, you know, a big portion of the year that's that's unfilled by football. Now you have the USFL doing it, but even even a 20 to 30% market share would make MLFB a booming success based on long-term estimates for what they can accomplish. Um, even the CEO, Frank Murtha, he's a very conservative guy in his estimates and his predictions. He says things and he tries to say things that aren't too... Um, out there, too crazy or too wild. And even he, um, in, in a former interview on a podcast, mentioned to somebody, he said, hey, I think, you know, in five or so years, we might end up getting um, somewhere in the range of, I, I, I'd hate to misquote, but somewhere in the $700 million a year revenue range, which, you know, if you think about that in the terms of what it would be in the stock price, um, it would be about, you know, a, uh, a, like a, a $6 billion or $5 billion or so market cap um, based on the, their average numbers of what a sports uh, league is worth. You know, I think um, the Madison Square Gardens a ticker, they trade around seven to eight times their revenue. And that's what most sports-related um, things trade at or, or worth. You know, even MLS Major League Soccer, a uh, big thing that MLFB wants to base their league on as far as their business model um, and how they run things you know they have a they have a hefty valuation they're worth a lot but as far as their revenue yeah it's about seven to eight times so it's very predictable and what these things are worth so once MLFB gets some revenue streaming going you know I think it's a possibility that that they could very well reach that goal which is super exciting uh, some some other broadcast partners, I think um, maybe NBC Sports Network, although it could conflict with the NBC on USFL, but maybe they're not too big of a, a worried about that. There's, um, you could even, really they could even broadcast their games on YouTube, but I would prefer them to have a broadcast partner. Even, even someone like Pluto, um, one of those streaming partners is an option, but there really is a lot of options uh, left. There's TBS as an option. They like to do sports sometimes, so TBS could be an option. They really fill a lot of their TV time with reruns and syndication shows, so to have something fresh, you know, for the spring lineup and this year's summer could be good for them to have a, a different show that people could turn on and say, oh, this is something different, you know, and, and watch it and, and bring some in ratings. Um, there's even, um, somebody mentioned the CW, which, honestly, they said it as a joke, but I think it's over the air. If you get something over the air where someone's flipping channels and they see, oh, you know, this is this is nice, you know, football. So people will watch it if it's over the air for sure. So I'm not opposed to any of these options here. I think they're all great options. I'm sure the CEO here, Frank, is going to get a good deal. All right. I'm pretty sure they're going to get a nice deal uh, for this year, next year. You know, they're going to have games where you can watch them and they'll have games to where they'll be able to find a new audience because MLFB needs to find new fans. They need to expand their fan base, get new people to come in 
and watch the league, watch players play. And I think they're going to have here a nice little marketing campaign before the opening season, especially in these local markets. We have the Arkansas Attack. They're going to be in Little Rock, Arkansas at War Memorial Stadium. Now, War Memorial is going to be a, it is a 54,000 or so seat stadium. That is the largest stadium for MLFB by far. I think it will be the largest once the Alabama Airborne Stadium is announced. I think War Memorial will still be the largest stadium that MLFB has. Um, Little Rock is a good football market. People there like football. There's no pro team. All they really have, they have the college team, which their their main team are the Razorbacks, and that is who they have locally to support. And the Razorbacks, they get some really nice attendance, uh, and they've played at War Memorial. They get around 40-something thousand, which is a pretty nice crowd um, for a, a, a college football team that's not bad for, for Little Rock. You know, I think MLFB, their first year, they could probably pull in 20,000 there, maybe 15,000, which is at or above their expected standings and what they were trying to accomplish with uh, fans in the stands. They wanted to get, you know, 10 to 12,000, I believe, for their first year and up to 15,000 for their second year. But I think in some of these places where there's a starved market for football, I think they have the potential to even bring in more fans than what they're expecting. Moving on to one of the smaller venues, uh, MLFB has uh, the stadium, the Sportsplex in Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's more of a smaller venue. It's around 7,000, expandable to 17,000. I'm sure they're wanting and going to expand it to that 17,000. Um, good news, though, for fans in Virginia Beach as far as the fans being good fans is uh, the UFL United Football League. They were a fly-by-night kind of a quick one-and-done thing, but they were able to get, you know, ten to 13,000 uh, fans in the stands for the UFL at the Sportsplex. They played there at the Sportsplex, so people there want to support local football, so I'm sure MLFB once again did the research. They saw the potential there, you know, especially with the UFL and them being able to generate a fan base and MLFB being able to more consciously generate a sustainable product on the field and get fans in the stands, I think they'll be able to sell out, or mostly sell out, that 16,000-seat stadium in Virginia. And it's a pretty nice-looking place. They got some suites there, which is pretty cool, you know, for a spring league stadium like this to have some suites. It's not bad. Um, I kind of like it. The, the, the venue looks pretty nice. And maybe I'll go there someday this season or next season and check it out. I've been looking at flights. I got to admit, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, looking at flights on Kayak and and uh, no sponsorship, by the way. And uh, what is the other one? Sky Scanner, seeing, you know, what's the cheapest flight I can get out there and trying to figure out my hotel costs and everything like that. And, you know, it's, it's been a pretty fun experience, you know, dreaming of seeing these guys play on the field. But, yeah, I, I think... Uh, as far as rolling in those extra bleachers, they're going to get that 16,000, 17,000 people in there. You know, they'll probably get a, a, maybe around 14, 15,000 attendance overall on average. But I think maybe, you know, if they can get a following next year, especially, they can sell out that stadium and get some people in that sportsplex. Now, moving on here to 
Canton, Ohio. We have the Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton. Now, they've been renovating that place like crazy. The whole area around there, they're, make, they're making it nice and built up, getting the hotels and everything. It's going to be a very, very nice premium experience for a spring league to have their league at their games at the Canton Hall of Fame Stadium, which is pretty slick, pretty cool. Even the USFL, I believe, is playing their championship game in Canton. So, obviously, it's a it's a nice, nice venue for these teams to play. It's got about 25,000 seats um, to sit in, which is, is a pretty nice number. That's about right where MLFB wanted to be in that twenty to 30,000 seat range. Um, so, they have a lot, a lot of potential there. Um, there's a lot of... If Ohio people, let me say, Ohio people love their football. They absolutely love football. They're football fanatics. They'll support all kinds of teams that play football in Ohio. Believe me, there's not much else to do in Ohio. No offense to people in Ohio, but it's not like there's theme parks and stuff all around and all kinds of things to do. Um, So, having said that, football, big in Ohio. I think they'll get a nice, nice following. And yeah, uh, if we ever get a Michigan team for MLFB, that'll be a super nice rivalry, I'm sure, that the fans will love to hate each other with. And I actually kind of want to see a team maybe in Kalamazoo, Michigan in the future, um, or some team up there where the MLFB can have a nice rivalry between states. I think rivalry fuels growth. It'll fuel the league's passionate fans to bicker and fight with each other. <laughs> but anyways, I think that's a that's a big thing that MLFB wants to do is create interest with the fan base and nice rivalries. I think that's why maybe one reason it's good to have you get a team in Alabama and a team right next door in Arkansas. Um, and then going to so the fourth team here, we got some stadium options in Alabama. You know, we have uh, the, the the mobile Alabama stadium, the, the place where they did the senior bowl, you know, that's actually a really nice venue. I think it's really, uh, really a popular place for the fans, especially since they know the senior bowl there and there's some college team that play there as well. So it, it's a pretty nice place. There's the lad people stadium. I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong, uh, but they're, they're not bad either. Uh, we got, a couple more saves. There's a stadium in Birmingham that they were considering and a stadium in, in Montgomery as well. So we'll see what they end up going with here. I think we'll get an announcement in the coming days. I don't think they're going to hold out too long because training camp is right around the corner in July. And I'm excited for camp. I'm excited to see what the MLFB has in store for camp with these guys. If they're going to do camp in one location or if they're going to do camp in the cities that the teams are in. You know, what kind of uh, situation they're going to have with camp? Are they going to have an audience allowed? Is there going to be fans in the stands for training camp? Are they going to do preseason scrimmages? Are they going to do, you know, like uh, games? Like, 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 say, preseason scrimmages or games for the fans to come and see in person to sample the product? I think that would be pretty nice. 
Um, the referees, you know, they're going to have those in camp, I'm sure, to make sure that the players are, are, are abiding by. The rules, that's usually a common thing these days as teams like to bring refs into camp to make sure, you know, to get players ready to have penalty-free football. We want to have here with MLFB, we want to have some nice low penalty number football so there's not a whole lot of interruptions in the game. We want to see some nice, fast-flowing games. You know, if you're not if you're not familiar, they're going to be playing by the NFL rules. So the NFL rulebook is pretty much exactly what they're going to do. There's going to be a few wrinkles, possibly. Uh, we don't know what those rules are yet, but I'm sure they'll be coming soon. Uh, tickets. Tickets will be on sale here in the coming days or weeks um, before training camp, I'm sure. They're going to want to have a nice marketing campaign where they can start selling out some of these stadiums before week one. Week one is going to be August 9th, the inaugural day of MLFB, guys. So get ready for week one football here in MLFB. Uh, there's a couple other dates. The 22nd and the 30th, I believe, are going to be at Little Rock. So I think they're going to build up that fan base, build up uh, the hype before going to the big Mama Jamma Stadium for the last two weeks of the season and trying to get as many butts in that 54,000 capacity seat stadium as possible. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Week one, training camp, MLFB. Are you ready?